0: Yeah, Hey, uh, I, just, I just have to say this, because last night, uh, those of you who weren't here last night, my name is Blake, uh, I'm a pastor in Bryan College Station, Texas, and uh, I, I don't know if you remember how I started out my sermon last night, thank you right there, but I, I started out just going, hey, I'm glad to be here, because I, I didn't really want to be in Aggieland last night, because I thought... I thought my Aggies were going to get the beat down of their lives. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I lacked faith, all right? Jesus said, have faith as big as a mustard seed, and I didn't have faith as big as a mustard seed. And then my Aggies beat number one Alabama, all right? Did we have our starting quarterback? No. Were we missing two starting receivers? Absolutely. Were we missing two starting offensive linemen? Yes, we're two of our starting cornerbacks out for the year. Yes. And we still beat number one Alabama. So man, I, 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 was, I was up till about 1:30 last night just watching Sports Center just on repeat, just over and over, because I, I kept having to tell my son I'm like, "We beat Alabama." He's like, "Yes, I know. Stop saying that. Yes, it happened. Uh, so I just had to throw that out, all right Because uh, I, I'm rebuking myself in the name of the Lord from, what I, from how I started last night. But anyways, hey, uh, super glad to be back with you this morning. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, which you should, because it's church, and this is a Bible church, and we preach out of the Bible. And so if you're a Temple Bible person or Temple Bible punk or Temple Bible youth guy, like you should have your Bible or even like on your phone or your little device, like you just have it. Uh, but we were in Luke 15 last night, and uh, I want to wrap that up. Uh, tonight uh, this morning I want to wrap it up Uh, because this story is really fascinating to me and I have spent a lot of time in this story and and what's fascinating in this story is that we've kind of missed the point of Luke 15 like I don't know if if you've got friends like this but I think every friend circle friend group has a friend like this where like a joke will happen and like everybody's laughing and then that person's like wait what and you're like, okay, hold on. And then you'll have to like explain it, right? And you have to explain it to your friend. And if, if you're sitting in here this morning and you're like, we don't have that person, you're that person, right? That's why you don't know. It's because it's you're actually that person. And I think that's what happens in this passage in Luke 15, in the story of the prodigal son or the prodigal God, which we talked about last night, is that we kind of miss the point, we, we miss the point. Like, if you look back up in verse 11, Luke 15, it says, and he said there was a man who had two sons. But what do, what do most people talk about in this passage? They, they talk about the younger son, right? They talk about the younger son because the younger son's life was a complete train wreck. Right? I mean, that dude squandered, you remember that was our word, right? He squandered away all of his dad's living with reckless living. You, you remember that whole thing? Uh, I, I don't know, how many of you guys are drivers in here, 16 plus? Uh, I, I don't know if some of you junior high kids are like, yep, right? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't know if, if you've realized this yet, but there is a thing called rubbernecking. You know, d- does, that, does that does that phrase make any sense to you? This is what happens. It's like, there's like an old lady on the side of the road whose tire has gone down a few PSI. And everybody and their mom on the road is slowed down to about negative seven miles an hour. And they're all like just gawking at her like, what's going on with granny, right? And they're not paying, and they're like, just go, just go. It's a flat tire. Just keep going. And, and that's what happens. Like, I don't know what's wrong with human nature, but we love to rubberneck, which means you're like turning your neck. Na- you're like not paying attention to what you're supposed to be doing. You're not driving. You're not going forward. You're just like looking at what's happened over here on the side of the road. And, and it drives me wild because I'm going be, to confess to you right this morning, I like to speed, all right? Uh, the Lord's working on me on this, but I, I, I do. the speed limit is a suggestion to me, and, and, and I'm working on that, right? God's working on my heart in that. But I hate when people rubberneck. I'm like, you've never seen a car pulled over on the side of the road? Like, keep going, keep going. And, and I think that's what's happened in Luke 15 is that we get so caught up. With the younger son, and the fact that he's squandered away his dad's inheritance with reckless living and prostitutes, that we're like, oh, look at this! This is this should be on like the Jerry Springer show, or this should be on uh, TMZ or whatever, and we totally miss the point that this story is not about the younger son. Even though most of your Bibles say in there, the sub uh, the, the heading says. The parable of the prodigal son, it's really not about the younger son. It's really about the father. Because prodigal, I don't know if you know this, but the word prodigal literally means to a lavish spender. Well, did, did the younger son spend a lot? Yeah. But who spent the most in this story? It was the father. You see, the father gave him his share of his inheritance. And then when he came back, and then when he came back home, his father gave him what? He gave him a robe. He gave him a ring. He gave him shoes on his feet. And then he said, let's kill the fattened calf. His father is the one who's the prodigal. His father's the one that's the lavish spender, the lavish giver. And we talked about last night how that is a beautiful, amazing, awesome picture of God, the father how some of us in here have a really jacked up view of God, like you think God is sitting up in heaven with this big stick, and he's like, touch that girl again, see what happens. Touch your girlfriend again, see what happens. You know, he's like sitting there waiting on you to sin one more time, and he's just going to bop you on the head. And, and that's, that's not the picture of God in the scriptures. See, the picture of God in the Bible is a lavish spender, a gracious God, even to his enemies like you and I. But see, back to this story, that he has two sons. So he's got the younger brother, and we talked about him last night, squanders all his debts, wealth away, wasted, hits rock bottom. He's literally trying to steal food from the pigs that he's, trying to, he's been paid to feed. I mean, he's hit rock bottom. And we talk about how some of you in here can, can, can kind of get rebellious, And kind of get to that point where your consequences for your sin are catching up to you. And right now you're like, man, I hate life. I don't really like where I'm at. I don't really like this because I'm facing consequences at home. I'm facing consequences at school. Why? Because you're running from God. And the scriptures say, hey, don't be stupid. You will reap what you sow. And you're like, I'm not a farmer. What does that mean? It means if you plant something, that thing's going to come up. Like if you plant, uh, when, when I was in high school, we used to do this, and this is probably terrible. Dave's going to rebuke me. Uh, but th- does anybody like teepee houses or wrap houses or roll houses? Has anybody ever done that? That's very sinful. You shouldn't do that. Anyways, we used to, when we would go and do such a thing, or there were people that I knew that did such a thing. Anyways, we would take beans, and, and before we'd wrap their up, we would throw these beans in their yard. And while we're wrapping the house, we would stomp the beans into the ground. Now, you're going, well, what does that matter? Why? Because those beans would sprout up in like a week or so. You remember the little thing you did in elementary school? You had the little cup, and you put the little thing in the boop, right? We did that to people's yards, and we thought it was hilarious, right? Because they clean up the toilet paper, and they're like, rascally kids, and then beans are popping up in their yard all, you know, for a week or so, for two weeks, three weeks. What, why? Because we planted those beans. In the same way, when you're planting sinful things in your life, when you're going against what God's word says, when you're rebelling against God's commands, you're going to reap consequences from that. The world around us calls that karma. The Bible says you reap what you sow. And that's what the rebellious younger son did. He was rebellious. He's running from his father. He's running from this. He's like, oh, this is true freedom. If I can just go and do whatever I want to, that's true freedom. And some of you think that. Some of you are frustrated with your parents. You're like, why are you giving me all these rules? You're frustrated with God about all the rules. You're frustrated with authorities about all of these rules. And what you don't realize is that some of those rules have been put in place to actually bring you freedom and joy. See, God's not this cosmic killjoy up in heaven going, hey, I don't want you to have any fun and I want you to have a scowl on your face and I only want you to re- read Leviticus for the rest of your life. That's not God. Th- that's not God. You See, the God of the Bible has given us beautiful and amazing things for us to enjoy but with the confines of his word. But he had two sons. He had two sons. So if you got your Bibles, look, Luke 15. I'm going to read it to you. Look here in verse 25. It says, now his older son, this is the second son, he was out in the field. He was out in the field. Now, I don't want us to fly by this because th- this is important. Because where was the younger son? Do you remember? Went off to a, a foreign land. He's squandering his dad's inheritance. He had literally ruined his dad's life financially, taking all of his stuff. He said, hey, dad, I'd rather have your stuff, and have you. I wish you were dead. Let me take all of your stuff and let me just go and waste it and blow it. And then the older son, well, where is he? He's out in the field. What do you do in the field? You, you work. He's out in the field working. He's out in the field where he should be doing what he's supposed to be doing. Th- this is where the older son, now remember that because we're, we're going to see this come up. Look in verse Uh, The end of 25 says, Now, his older son was out in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of his servants and asked them what these things meant. And the servant said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Now, listen, I don't know about you, but I'm always down to party, right? I got a friend that says, Hey, I'm down to clown. Like, whatever you want to do. You're like, Hey, you wanna go do this tonight? He's like, I'm down to clown. I'm down to like he always says that. Like I'm I'm always ready. Let's go. Like he's always up for an adventure. He's always up for something exciting. He's always up for a party. He's always ready for a get together of some sort. Now that's that's me. Now I hear this. I hear dancing. I hear music. I hear that they've killed the fat and cap. Like we're about to eat steaks tonight. Bro, I'm hustling up that hill. I'm like, I'm out the field, right? I'm going to join the party. But check out the older brother's response. Check it out. Verse 20, I think it's 28. Where are we? It says, yeah, 28. But he was angry and he refused to go in. He was angry. Now, is he angry that he didn't get an invite to the party? Is he angry at the younger brother? No. Is he angry uh, about that they're going to eat steaks tonight? N- no, he he's actually angry at his father. He's angry at his father. Now now let me be real straight with you. Our emotions reveal things about us. I, I remember several years ago, me and some buddies were playing in a flag football tournament. Now we signed up for this flag football tournament, and I think that the 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 winning prize, like if we won the whole thing, we might have gotten like a T-shirt and not like a good t-shirt that you're gonna wear around. Like one of those, like, I don't know if it's like Gil Dan, but it looks like they, they, they built this thing. I, it, it's not, it doesn't fit, it doesn't feel good. It was like free t-shirt, everybody gets a double extra large. I mean, it's just one of those kind of things, like who cares, you know what I mean? Well, in the final, in the final thing of the game, we, we made the finals, I don't know how, but we made the finals of this flag football tournament. And it comes down to like this last play and we got hosed. I mean, it was terrible. Like, it was the worst call. I, I think the ref was just tired. He'd been referee in games since, like, 4.30 in the morning. He was exhausted. I, I don't know what happened, but it was just a terrible, terrible call. And I'm like, hey, whatever, right? This this is like an intramural flag football thing. You get a big T-shirt. Who cares? My buddy Mike lost his mind. Like, he's over there trying to fight refs fight the other team, talking about people's mamas, I mean, just lost his mind, you know what I mean? Like, just went crazy, and I'm looking at him, and maybe it's just because I was tired that day, and I was like, who cares, all right, good, good job, y'all won, all right? I'm, I'm, like, ready to leave, I'm, like, halfway to the parking lot, Mike's still over there trying to fight people, like, trying to grab shirts and stuff, I mean, just crazy, and I was like, what is going on here? Like, why did he get so emotional about this intramural flag?" football tournament that really didn't matter. Like, it's not like, you know, we win this, we win the Super Bowl or whatever. Like, why does he get so angry? You see, our emotions are attached often to the things that we love. Our emotions are attached to our affections. Listen, our emotions are attached to our idols. You know what an idol is? An idol is something that you may elevate and put above God. It's not God, but you have made it a God. Some of you do this with your boyfriends or girlfriends, and you can tell because when you get broken up with, your life has officially ended. And so what you do is you weep and you cry and you moan and you wail and you do all this. And then, I mean, within a week, like, you were in love with this person, like, wedding bells, planning the wedding. Like, you've already got all your kids' names listed out that you're going to have in, like, 15 years. And then all of a sudden, within a week, you're back with somebody else. Why? Because homecoming's coming up. What just happened? How would you go from, like, I love this person and they're the center of my universe to now, oh, he's cute. Like, how does that happen? Well, it's because you've made such an idol of having someone with you all the time that you think, this defines my worth. This defines whether I'm pretty or whether I'm good looking or whether I'm manly or whether I'm cool, is if somebody's hitting you up and sliding in your DMs and, and hit, like, that's how you determine your worth. And so that also greatly affects your emotions. You may not get angry like my best friend Mike, you weep and wail and mourn does that make sense you see our emotions are indicators like that gauge on on your car for some of you who drive or maybe your mom drives and you're like ding 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 mom it's time to fill up with gas I think we've got a little bit longer and then you're on the side side of the highway and everybody's rubbernecking looking at you right? That, that's an indicator. When your emotions get triggered and you get angry, you get really excited, you, you get really w- whatever, it, it's an indicator of what you're really passionate about. Same thing like, like me last night when my Aggies won and beat the number, I just want to remind y'all, beat the number one team in the nation, longest current winning streak, I went a little crazy. All right, I went a little crazy. I might have ripped my shirt off and done like a, a, little, a little lap in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the yard. Why? Because I'm, I'm passionate about that thing. You see, our emotions indicate our affections. And in the same way, this brother, the older brother, becomes angry, not at the fact that they're having a party, not at his younger brother. Honestly, we're going to see here in a little bit that he's indifferent to his younger brother, but he's angry at his dad. He's angry at the the gracious giver of the party, the one who called for the fattened calf to be slaughtered, the one who called for the party to commence. He's angry at his dad. And we're going to see that in the next little bit. Look in verse 28. Verse 28 says, um, sorry, I was in the wrong thing says his father came out to the field left the party and entreated him to come into the party come in come in we're partying we, we're gonna have steaks. we're gonna get crazy come come in and it says and he answered his father look these many years i have served you and i have never disobeyed your command R- really how, how many of you in here have never disobeyed your parents just raise your hand liar no i'm just kidding yeah, we, we've all disobeyed our parents, every one of us, every one of us. says, I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never even gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. You, you see what he's saying here? What he's beginning to do is compare his righteousness, his right living, to his brother's recklessness. You see, what he doesn't understand is that he's trying to earn his father's favor. He's going, hey, Dad, if I do all of these things, and if I obey every one of your commands, and I'm a, if I'm where I'm supposed to be, I'm out in the field serving, and I'm doing these things, then you'll love me, then you'll give to me, and so I'm working for your approval, for your acceptance, for your favor. Can I be real honest with you? That's the way the world works, is it not? Like right now, you have teachers that demand certain things. And if you're acting a fool in class, they're probably not going to like you very much. But if you're sitting in class and you're taking notes and you're making the grade and you're earning their favor and you're earning those grades and life is about earning or you're in a sport and you're trying to earn playing time because you're going to practice and you're showing up not on time but before time and you're staying late and you're, and you're making extra effort and you're doing all of the things you need to do so that you can make plays on game day, you're earning that playing time. Some of you in here have jobs that they don't just pay you just because you're employed. They pay you because you show up and work. You see, our whole lives are built around this idea of show up, work, and get paid. Except for one area. And it's the area of our spirituality with God. You see, there's this thing with God Where it's not like, hey, you do a bunch of righteous things, and you come to church, and you come to Connect Weekend, and you bring your Bible, and you raise your hands when we sing, which is good, and you do all these things, and you don't cuss so very much, and you don't sleep around, and you don't look at porn, and you don't have these things, and then God will love you. That's not the way God works. But listen, that's the way all of the rest of our lives work, is it not? But with with God, there's this thing called grace. Grace. You know what grace is? It's unmerited favor. Grace is you getting better than you deserve. It's you getting better than you deserve. Unmerited favor. In the scriptures, Ephesians 2.8.9 is one of my favorite, but it says, by grace you have been saved. Not of yourselves, not of your works, like, God's, God doesn't have a big chalkboard up in heaven, and he's like, oh, went to church again? Good job. Here's another notch for you. Oh, brought your Bible? That a girl. Here's another notch for you. Oh, didn't cuss somebody out when they cut you off this morning? Here's another. Like, you, get, you get five million of these, and then you get to go to heaven. That's not the way God works. That's, that's not the way God works. Matter of fact, it, it's the exact opposite. Romans 5.8 would say this, Yet while we were still sinners... Christ died for us do do you hear that Jesus didn't die for you because you were righteous and you were a good church kid and you you sinned a lot less than your classmates He, he died for you because you were a sinner in need of a savior amen that's grace that's grace that's grace so my question to you this morning church is this do you get grace do you get it or are you still like the older brother where you're trying to work for God's favor, for God's acceptance, for God's approval, going, please, God, if I just do all these things, then, uh, then you'll bless me. You, you know how I know this? Because I'll do this sometimes. Like uh, last week we were doing this, this event at church, like a service event. And one of our, one of our college students came up to me. And uh, he was like, yeah, he goes, I'm really hoping that since I came to this event and I'm serving the church, like, God will bless our Aggies and we'll actually win this Saturday. And I was like, that's some jacked-up theology, but I'm glad you're here. Come help us serve, right? And I kind of walked him over there. But I don't know how often you do that where you're trying to make this little deal with God. You're like, hey, God, I got a big test coming up, and I'm really stressed. And so maybe, you know, it's, I got a test Monday, and so maybe if I go to church on Sunday, and I do a little deal with God. I go to church. You hook a brother up with an A in the class, right? And you try to do this deal with God. But God doesn't God do that. But it is by grace you have been saved. He's already given, given you better than you deserve. You see, grace isn't given based on how good you are. Listen, listen to me, listen to me. Grace isn't given based on how good you are. Grace is given on how good Jesus is. You hear me? It's not based on how good you are, how many times you go to church, or how often you read your Bible, or all these things. It's based on how good Jesus was, and he went to the cross and died for us. So now, listen, this flips the script for us as believers, If you're in here and you go, yes, I'm a Christian, Uh, I I, I believe in Jesus Christ, I follow Jesus Christ, I I love his word, I love him, I I want to live a life that pleases him, it changes everything. Now, listen, guys, we don't work for God's approval, for God's acceptance, for God's favor, we work from it. You see, we're not working to get his acceptance. I've already got his acceptance, and so now I'm going to work from that. Now, guess what? I come to church because I want to. Because I'm so grateful that God has given me grace through Jesus Christ. I, I, I'm so grateful that Jesus died on the cross for me and for my sins. I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning, I'm going to get in the Word, and I'm going to read, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to seek Him. Why? Because all of the good that He's done already. Do you see the difference? Do you work for God's approval or do you work from it? This is how you know if you understand grace. You see, we also understand this idea of grace in this idea, do you think you're better? You see, the the older brother here thought he was a better man than his brother. He thought he he was, the older brother thought he was a better man than his young brother. He's like, listen, all these years I've served you, I've obeyed every command. I'm not like that other dude out there squandering your inheritance with reckless living and prostitutes. I'm not that person. Do do we honestly think we're better than someone else? Do we understand that God isn't just after our right actions, but he's after our right heart? Like, Do you get that? You see, some of you have got it down where you're like, hey, I can can act. I can perform for God. I can do all of these things. I can show up to church. I'm not doing the big sins, right? I'm not sleeping around. I'm not getting drunk. I'm not, you know, smoking crystal meth or whatever. I'm not doing these massive sins. But some of us, our hearts are still so wicked before God. God's not just after your right actions. He's after a right heart. You don't believe me? Look at the Beatitudes, the first sermon that Jesus preached, Matthew 5. Listen to some of the things he said. He said, you've heard, don't murder. Okay, let me just caveat. You shouldn't kill people, okay? I just want to throw that out. I know, some of you are like, what am I going to do on Saturday night? He said, you've heard, don't murder, but I tell you, don't even be angry with somebody in your heart. Do you hear that? You've heard it say, don't commit adultery, but I also say, don't lust in your heart. You see, Jesus is not just after right actions. He's after a right heart. This is why you get after the Pharisees so much. You know who the Pharisees were? They were the most religious people of the religious people. Like they had, they had not just read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They had memorized that. Yeah, try memorizing Leviticus sometimes. I mean, they, they knew the law backwards and forwards. We're doing all these things, and yet Jesus punked them over and over and over. He said in Matthew 23 Hey, you've cleaned the outside of the cup? The outside of the cup looks great. But the inside of the cup is full of greed and self indulgence. You're like a whitewashed tomb, outwardly appearing beautiful, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. You hear what Jesus is saying? He's saying, hey, on the outside, you look great to people. You go to church, you clean up well. You have an outside reputation, but inside your heart, you're wicked. 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 See, this is why this older brother mentality is why he didn't go looking for his younger brother." Like if you remember last night, the, older, the, the father was sitting on the porch and he was out looking in the distance, looking for his son to return. But in all reality, that they would say that the, young, the older brother who was now in charge of the estate, the father had divided the estate, given the younger brother, and with that he had to give the older brother. Now the old, older brother was in charge of the estate. It was his job. It was his job to go and seek and save the loss. Just like the story up here in, in the first couple verses where the lost sheep, the guy, the guy goes looking for the lost sheep. And then in the next story, in verse, verses 8 through 10, the, the woman loses the coin. She goes looking for the coin. Why doesn't anybody go looking for the lost son? Wasn't the son more important than a sheep? Wasn't the son more important than a coin? You see, the older brother didn't want to go looking for the, for the younger brother. He was indifferent. Matter of fact, it made him look better. Church, have you ever, have you ever felt a sense of pride that you're doing really well spiritually by, while some of your classmates are failing miserably? Like, have you ever had that? that point where like some some of your people in your youth group like you're you're here every Sunday you got perfect attendance I don't know if they give it like a sash or an award or a cookie for that but you're so proud of your attendance and then all of a sudden you know somebody just kind of in your class or in your youth group just kind of dips off and they just kind of stop coming for a while and all of a sudden they show back up after a month or two and you're like oh where have you been you found the church again good job do you think we quit meeting do you think COVID was still a thing And you just love just rubbing that in their faces that you've been here, but they're not. It's spiritual pride. It's an older brother mentality, and it's not pleasing to God. Check it out. Look at how he ends this in verse... Look how he ends it in verse uh, 31. So he just gave this speech to his dad and he's like you, you know you, you never gave me a young goat you never did this you never threw me a party you never did all this listen to the father verse 31 he said and he said to him son you were always with me and all that is mine is now yours but it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive and he was lost and is found and then the story ends just ends. Now what this is, is this is called a cliffhanger. This is the way you tell a story. This is why some of you binge Netflix. You know what I mean? Because you're like, I'm just going to watch one episode. I'm just going to watch two episodes. And then what happens is they leave you hanging this cliffhanger where it's like, dun, dun, dun. You're like, what's going to happen next? Is Billy going to die? Right? And you don't, you don't know what's happening. And so you're like, well, I got to watch the next episode. And then i got to watch the next episode. And then i got to watch the next episode. Why? Why? Because they left you with a cliffhanger. That's just good storytelling. So why would he leave us? Why would Jesus just leave us with this thing where he's just going, he just leaves us hanging? Like, does the son come into the party? Does the son accept the father's uh, welcome? Does he accept the invitation to come in the party and dance and eat? the stake, and, and does he do it? You see, what this is, this is a picture of heaven. This is a picture of this invitation to us as church punks and religious people to go, hey, are you also going to lay down your self-righteousness and receive all that God's done for you and come to the party? Are you going to sit out here mad and you're going to still going to try to earn it? Are you going to sit out here mad that younger brother types, rebellious types, licentious types actually have access and that God loves them too? You see, he leaves this hanging because I think the question is for us, will will you lay down your self-righteousness? Will you lay down all of your righteous deeds that you think you're getting in good with God and go, hey, the only good in me is Jesus Christ? It's the only good. That's how we get into heaven. By grace through faith. Not based on your self-righteousness. Not based on how many good things you can do or your perfect church attendance or your Bible scripture memory. All of those things are great and you need to keep doing those, but you don't do them for God's a favor, for God's acceptance. You do it from. Will you lay down your self-righteousness? receive the grace that's offered to us in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, for your truth. And I I, I pray, Lord, for the people in this room. God, I I beg you that they would not trust in their own goodness, their own self-righteousness, their own good deeds, their own church attendance or whatever but they would only 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 trust in the goodness that is in Christ Jesus because that's how you save us not on how good we can be or how many good deeds but on the good deeds that Jesus Christ did for us on the cross by living a holy life a perfect life a sinless life that's what impresses you And only one man has done it. His name is Jesus. And so I pray for my rebellious friends in here that they would lay down their rebellion and they would receive grace today. And I pray for my religious friends in here that they would lay down their self-righteousness and receive grace today. Would you make us more like your son? And would we work from your acceptance, not for it? We love you and we bless you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.